Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. This is one way to get you to preach. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, for those of you guys who I didn't get a chance to introduce myself, my name is Eric Riley, and uh, part of Radiant Church. Actually, was a part of a, a planting team that planted Radiant Church um, 17 years ago. So um, I. I was also a part of a, a little team that planted a church in Sacramento uh, about four years ago um, and moved home. Actually, it was about six years ago that we planted that. I moved home uh, back to Visalia. So we're, we're from um, Visalia, my wife and kids. I have three children, um, a 13-year-old daughter, 11-year-old daughter, and an 8-year-old boy. And uh, so I am in the midst of the kind of the throes of learning how to be a father that blesses his children and um, I had a great dad that, that loved me, but not necessarily, he, he didn't get taught a lot of this stuff. And uh, I think, unfortunately, we, we tend to receive from our fathers and mothers what they receive from their fathers and mothers and what they receive from their fathers and mothers, and down it goes. And so I think we're in the middle of um, my wife and I trying to start something new and build something new. Um, and so we have, um, yeah, kind of gone through the, the core elements of what a blessing looks like. Um, and a blessing contains three major components. Um, and uh, it's identity, um, high value, and bright future. Um, and we're going to look at uh, some, uh, some elements of what happens when we don't get that blessing in our lives and what God actually wants to restore. Um, and then kind of as we conclude today, we're going to have the opportunity to stretch ourselves and push into um, blessing, using our words to bless each other. Um, so you guys saw it modeled in, in this, um, in our groups, and we're going to go ahead and practice today too on each other. So, um, so I want to look at the effects of silence in our lives. And I think we've looked at, um, at you know, different, different elements of, of, you know, some of the wound that comes into our lives. Um, and Sean, as you were kind of praying there and just kind of talking at the end, it reminded me of a quote. There's a author, George MacDonald, a great English author, uh, He says this, the hardest, gladdest thing in the world is to cry father from a full heart. The refusal to look up to God as our father is the central wrong in the whole human affair. The inability is the one central misery. And I think that this this idea of uh, looking to God as father and our inability to do so is at the core of so many (laughs) miseries in our own life. And I think that unfortunately, like I was saying, our, our, our experience with our own fathers and mothers um, can be a, a point of that. And, and so we're going to, like I said, look at the effects of silence. And silence, there's, there's, um, there's two ways 
that you can kill a plant. One of the ways is that you could um, just take, we were with a group of guys and, and they, were, they were talking about, uh, they had just planted a garden um, and his grandson came along with a pair of snippers and uh, just chopped the thing down at, at like the base level. He had just planted these tomatoes and he, his grandson took the clippers and just chopped it right at the roots, you know? And uh, so that's one way you could kill a plant. <laughs> Um, the, other, the other way is a little bit more insidious and a little bit more harmful. And that, that's, uh, you could put it in a dark closet and refuse to water it and give it some time and it's going to wither and it's going to die. And that's actually the effect of silence. Um, it's gradual and it's a subtle way um, that you don't actually have to pull the plant or out of the roots out by or how you know by the roots or you don't have to chop it down you can just ignore it and leave it alone and I think that's the the effect of silence in our life and really the impact of that is that it, it, it breeds an insecurity in us and a timidity um, in us, it, it, there's there's two kind of main ways, and and we hear about you know that flight or fight instinct. I don't know if you guys have heard that before, but um, and and when we feel threatened, our, there's a natural instinct in us to either run away, flight, or we're gonna fight, or we're gonna put up my dukes and kind of prove you know that I can take this on. Um, and so we see that the, these things come up uh, in our lives, and when there's a, when there's really a threat and we feel threatened that we won't have what, what we need. And so um, the blessing refused and a blessing withheld um, are these two, two places. And where we go with that is we can either run away um, and, you know, that insecure in, and timidity. We're unsure of where we're standing, what our, where we stand or where our status is. Um, we're afraid to take risks or accept challenges. It's that flight thing in us. Or we're competitive. We are going to prove our worth. We're going to prove that we're valuable. We're going to prove that we have what it takes, um, whether you say so or not. And I'm going to, you know, and that shows up in all kinds of ways um, for us, you know. And I love this quote by John Eldridge in a, in a book, an author um, and therapist. He, he writes in a book called The Way of the Wild Heart. Whatever life has taught us, we feel that we are alone. Simply look at the way most men live their lives. And I'd have to confess that the bulk of my life as striving and indulging, pushing myself hard to excel, taking on the battles that come to me with determination, but also with a fear-based drivenness, believing deep down inside that there's no one I can trust to come through for me. Striving and then arranging for these little pleasures along the way to, hope, to help ease the pain of the drivenness and the loneliness. Dinner's out, adventure gear, indulging in a fatherless way to live. And what I think that God is actually after is to bring us home and to bring us into a family where we are validated and loved and affirmed, uh, where we don't have to actually fight and prove our worth and we are like loved deeply by God. And so um, rather than coping you know, with the harsh world around us through that, that fight instinct to get tough, act tough, to sound tough, um, that, that thought of I'll get you before you get me, <laughs> I'll show you, um, and I'll prove, I'll prove my worth and value to you. Um, 
or to flee, to flee from conflict, escape uh, the inner pain through these small, subtle indulgences or big ones. Um, and, uh, you know, this ten tendency to, to do anything. That, this flight also can show up with the tendency to um, do anything to please people. And it can be that, ple that people-pleasing thing and that instinct in us. I'm going to try to perform to earn your affection and your love. Um, or to isolate, to retreat into fantasy and isolation and not risk, not feel confident enough to risk. And so, um, yeah, these, 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 all of these little like symptoms that we can see come out in life are really a cry of a deep little, you know, a deep longing of a little boy or girl inside of us that's wounded. Um, and it's a silent cry for somebody to notice or value or love, love me. Larry, would you yeah. be willing to share your story? Sure. So my dad was um, a manager of a cattle ranch. And so uh, when I became, when I was going into my eighth, eighth grade year, my dad hired me to, to work on the ranch and I was so excited because I was gonna get to go work on the cow ranch and get to ride a horse every day. And so on the way out the first day, he um, looks at me and he says, Larry, you may be the boss's son, but I'm never gonna treat you that way. You're gonna always get the worst jobs. I don't want you to complain about it because you're getting paid. This is a job. And nobody on that ranch is going to say that you were the foreman's son and that you got special treatment. Don't expect it. Just do your job. But I was so excited about getting to do this. I didn't even think that the ramifications of what he was talking about. And so, sure enough, he lived up to it. I mean, if there was a cruddy job, I was definitely going to be at the end of that job. And it started to wear on me because it was like I could see these guys, they were getting like easier jobs and I was always getting the, the, the rough ones. And he never did say good job or way to go. It was just, I think he thought that, you know, that he was getting, I was getting paid and so I didn't need all these attaboys. He was a wonderful dad, he was a great dad, nothing wrong with him, but he wasn't, he didn't share, I love you. That was not in our vocabulary as, as growing up. Finally, when my dad was in a convalescent home, I finally, I just decided, I thought, I'm gonna tell him I love him, you know? And so I did, and the first few times were very awkward, even awkward for me. I just felt like this is, he's gonna be, upset with me that I would stoop to a I love you, you know. But he was just very quiet. He goes, yeah, me too. And so that was about it. So finally he got to where he could at least say, yeah, I love you. After I did. I, he didn't inst ever instigate it. So he, fast forward to uh, passing away. He was 92 years old. He was in a convalescent home. He was dying. And so uh, my sis and I were there, and uh, the nurse said, it was getting close to dinner time, and, and so the nurse told us, he's gonna go on for a few hours, if not a day or something, so why don't you just go eat? And so we did, and while we were gone, he died, he passed away. 
And my first thought was, oh no, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh no, he passed away. It was like, dang, he never did tell me I did do a good job. And I was like 60 years old at this time. And I was still just like, ah, I got robbed on this deal. And so I just, that was kind of how my life went. And so when I became a Christian, my thought was, is that God has got so many things going on. I'm the least of his problems. There's way bigger stuff going on in the world than Larry Schmidt. And so I just had a very low opinion of myself and that God really didn't hardly see me. And that was basically how I lived until uh, after our daughter passed away. Um, it was like two weeks, or it was going to be like two months later, her, her uh, twin sister was going to have uh, her wedding. And her twin was supposed to have been the maid of honor at the wedding. And of course, she wasn't going to be there. She'd already purchased a ticket, and she was coming. And I mean, we were all looking forward to being with her because we hadn't seen her for almost a year. And so uh, I was just a basket case. I mean, those probably the first year, I probably cried more than I've ever cried in my whole life. And so two months into this thing, I was just you could look at me cross-eyed and I'd start crying. You didn't even have to say anything to me. And so I thought, I, could, I gotta get my head straightened on here because her twins getting married, that's the happiest day for her. And I'm gonna spoil it by being this basket case. I can't even walk her down the aisle without crying. And so I'm just, you know, wrestling with this whole thing of wanting to be happy for Stacy, but yet sad over Tracy. And so uh, I went, I, we had friends that owned a farm and he couldn't work it anymore. So I'd go out and I would disc the field up, keep the weeds down for him. And so I thought, I'm just going out to the farm and I'm gonna go disc and just try to get my thoughts together, get my head <laughs> And so I uh, started to drive out there in the country and the last two songs that was played on the radio were songs that we had at her piano. And so now I'm just shot. I am blubbering like a baby. I'm just crying, driving and crying. I'm thinking, well, this is going well. And so uh, anyway, I got out there, got on the tractor and I started to drive. And I just kind of stopped and I just said, Man, God, I I need you really close. I you know, I just I can't even control myself. I just don't know. I I don't know where I'm at. I'm just a basket case, and I says, I just need you to come close. And I started to drive, and immediately the Lord just spoke to my heart and just said, Larry, I'm on the tractor, and I'm not going to get off all day long. I'm going to be here on. And I just, all of a sudden, God's presence was so powerful. It was just like I could tangibly feel him sitting on that tractor. I mean, I, I felt like I could have reached out and touched him. He was there. And this amazing peace came over me. It didn't change the circumstances. Our daughter was dead. 
But there was just this immense peace of knowing that God was there with me. And I started to drive, and I was just like kind of almost in shock. It was like, wow, it's, this is amazing that you're here, you know. And then the Lord just said, Larry, you know why? You know, you know how much you love your daughter. I said, yes. And he says, you know how much you miss her. And I said, yes. And he goes, that's why I'm delaying my return. He says, because when I come back, those that don't accept me will be gone forever. And I don't want anybody to perish. That's why I'm delaying my return. And I, in that moment, here I was now, probably 60 some years old. And for the first time in my life, I was in a place that I was just desperate for God. And I couldn't impress him. I was a basket case. And I was just desperate for him. And he, for the first time, I felt like he just like let me see, I'm in this with you. I've got your back. And I'm here for you. This song that, that Sean sang, this, this last one, that says, How's it going? Oh, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And then what's the next one? Every breath that I'm able, I will say Yeah, but there was one about Your goodness is running after me. Yeah. And I just felt like in my darkest days, what's that one? In my darkest hour, you were close like no other. Yeah. You love me like a father. Yeah. And the, the reality was that was the first time that I could sing something that was just truly for me. I knew that, that God wants to be that. And I knew, you know, he wants that for every one of us. But because of my foggy experience with my dad, even though he loved me dearly, I know that, it was still that because it wasn't spoken over me, I didn't know it. And when I got desperate enough, the Lord just showed up in a powerful way and helped me through that time and helped me to know Him, that He really does love us. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I think we, we've, we've heard like God's intention and in what He created, the culture that He designed and was His intention, starting from the beginning of time, the first man, His intention was that there would be a father-son relationship and that there would be a blessing passed on um, and that good job son I'm so proud of you like this is good what we've done together like this team approach to building this was like his intention from the foundation and when things were ruined he established a new covenant with a new man Abraham and his intention was to build a community and we've seen this like generation uh, these covenantal generations and we actually are like brought into that blessing that covenant with Abraham, we're actually invited into that that same blessing and entrusted with the what we would pass on to the next generation um, and through our words. And um, if we miss the blessing, there's still this like this longing, this desire for us. God, we see God step in in these moments where 
maybe our dads didn't do that. And today, I, my hope is that you guys, are, you're, you're able to receive the blessing of God um, and begin to receive that in a new and fresh way. Um, but God also has a biblical challenge in, uh, in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, I think. Is that right? Okay. Uh, right before there's like 400 years of silence, there's actually this like proclamation <laughs> about what it will be like, the culture of, of things, like what's going on in the earth towards the end of, of, uh, of his plan, his redemptive plan and story. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so there's this kind of dual proclamation of I'm going to do this. There's a time coming where actually the culture, the environment around the, the earth is filled with fathers. The, the, the assumption here is fathers' hearts and children's hearts aren't turned towards each other. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to turn their hearts towards each other. But there would be this division and breaking in relationship of what God intended in this, in a father-son. I'm saying, sorry, I'm saying father-son probably over and over. I mean parent-child also. I think that that's kind of, please uh, assume some of that <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, the prophet, the, the, he depicts this last day scenario where family relationships are unresolved, unloving, uncaring. Um, there's not a connectedness. Um, and there, there's, this, there, there's this statement of this must happen or I will strike a curse. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll bring a curse in the land. And I think that the, this in some ways actually... You can, you can remove this culture of blessing and it creates a curse. We've, we've learned about that and this destruction that comes in our own lives is what it wreaks, the, the havoc that it wreaks in our own lives of where these things are removed. This loving, caring, generational blessing is not passed. It actually creates a culture of de- devastation and destruction. Um, and so really the, the cry of our hearts and the desire of God's heart is that our hearts would turn towards each other. And I think that, that uh, anyway, what we're inviting ourselves into, what I'm learning, what we're inviting you into is to break the power of this curse. Um, and we, we know that words have power and we know that words based on the scriptures that we read, that words actually have a ton of implication um, in, in changing the culture, changing what um, the, the direction of things. Um, and the, really the main, the main way that we can break the power of curse is really seeing what Jesus has done. Look at what Jesus has done for us. He, uh, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of having to be perfect, having to do everything exactly, correctly, perfect. And he's actually redeemed us. We were in our own self. We were unable to walk things out perfectly. Not one of us has ever lived an exactly perfect life. Uh, and Christ has redeemed us from this curse. And it's written, curses everyone who's hung on a tree. He became a curse for us, um, taking the curse upon himself that was meant for us. 
in order that it would cancel the power of negative words spoken over our lives, those curses that actually may have been spoken, or a blessing withheld on uh, over us. He actually stood in that place and has taken that upon himself, the curse of a blessing refused and a blessing withheld, and actually now has invited us into son and father relationship that only he had access to prior to his death and resurrection. Um, so we kind of thinking back uh, to what we said earlier, where, where Steve was talking about the value of an object is determined by the price that was paid and the price that was paid for us. We know that Jesus, by hanging on a cross, taking the curse upon himself, has actually taken that price and the price that he paid was his own life in exchange for our life. Um, and. Uh, he, he took all of the the twisted words, the the you know the negative impacts, the the effects on our lives, and actually is like brought us into something new. And I think that's that's where we're headed is to the experience of sonship, a true sonship, where we re- receive the inheritance and the love of God, the Father that that He intended to have um, for us. And I just want, I'll share this kind of personal reflection. I've been in this, I was talking to Tom a little bit, Tom and Tim, Kelsey. (laughs) We kept adding T names to our table when we were checking out to confuse the waiter. Um, I I was sharing a little bit that the last probably four years of, uh, maybe even longer, have been a journey for me into this understanding of what, uh, what it means to be a true son of a true father. And um, probably about three or four months ago, I, I just was, uh, I woke up early and was kind of in a bummed out spot. And um, I, I felt invited just to write down like uh, a few, uh, some descriptions of what, if I could imagine what the perfect father would be like, what, what would that be like? And uh, felt invited by God just to, to imagine so I wrote, wrote out a few things that um, I wanted to share with you guys. The true father is warm and welcoming. The true father is happy. He's full of surprises. He comes home with pocketfuls of things to share with us, to surprise us with good things. A, t- a true father plans for good things in our lives. He gives gifts. Uh, he, he's not, gifts that aren't actually like earned even. He gets close to us. He, he gives gifts and speaks words that are specific and not just vague over us. He loves us intentionally and specifically. He sees us. He sees me. He's intimate, he intimately knows my life. He makes space for me. Yeah. He creates a safe place for me to be weak and afraid and imperfect. He takes care of things. He shows up and he's ready to help. Even before I call, he's never ashamed of me. He's never ashamed. He fills, he's full of wonder. He prizes me. He teaches me how to be a good, how to be good at being a man. He's playful and patient and kind. He's unwavering in his kindness and he's generous. He's wise. He's full of hope, full of life. He never disciplines out of insecurity, only in love. He protects fiercely. He provides abundantly. 
He blesses out loud. He uses his words to speak life and identity and value and destiny and purpose. And this is God's intention for us to have a connection with that father and that reality and that truth in our lives. And that's what Jesus has done in breaking the curse over our life. And so I'm going to share a life principle of Steve's (laughs) because he can't share it unless you want to. Give it a shot. And I love this. It's simple and practical. And it's this. If you think it and it's positive and affirming, you have to say it. And this is a step in the direction of being the type of people that are like our father. Being children of that father. If you think it and it's positive and affirming, you have to say it. And it's that... It's a, it's a simple first step, and we're going to move into some of practicing that today. Um, but if you think it, and it's positive and affirming, you have to say it. Um, it's this kind, of, this kind of movement towards using our voice and using our thoughts actually is a shift in, in the culture. It's a shift in our friendships and in our marriages and in our... Even what I love about this is and where this really the rubber meets the road is in the places of wounding in my own life. I get to say positive and affirming things to my dad and my mom. And I get to, like Larry was saying, break that cycle of a a curse of silence. And we get to move towards, towards people in love. And that's actually really risky, (laughs) really challenging, honestly. Um, and, and I get to do that with my own daughter who's 13 and is doing this like come towards me and also I want to like push you away moment of like teenage girl I've never had girls I grew up with a, a brother and sorry ladies <laughs> uh, and so I'm learning to navigate like how do I press in and, and use my words and use my physical appropriate physical touch to get close and hug her and love her and all my children really um so we regularly and sincerely say the kind the positive the affirming things that that we think if we think it and it's positive and affirming we say it and we say it in sincerity and not like Josie was saying I think not just use words as you know a shield or something like that or 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 you know not just Use words that are uh, maybe half true. We want it to be sincere and 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 true. Um, we speak to the intrinsic value of people, not just performance. Many times, we've been praised for our performance, for you know running the best mile or having the straight A's or you know whatever it was that our parents valued that that made them actually feel good potentially or um, made them feel like they were doing a good job you know at being a parent because my kid got great great grades or something like this but we we meter our praise i mean we we want to praise perform we want to praise great things and accomplishments that people um, do our children do the people around our lives do um, but not only that we want to we want to speak to the intrinsic value in a person whether they perform or not and I think that story of is it Charlie I mean I, Charlie brought five dollar bill and he was highly valued and I think that relationship like that he never got great grades and in fact it was maybe an inter- interruption at times you know but it was an incredible value you know um, 
Yeah, we, we speak to the intrinsic value. Um, if you're here, you're standing still, you're breathing air. It's like, I love you because you're you and you're here and you're present. Um, and um, we, we include appropriate physical touch where possible. Um, I'm going to... Sure. You want to share that story? I'll try. You're going to give it a go? Yeah. <laughs> He showed that love in a thousand different ways, but similar to Larry's dad, my dad just couldn't get those words of affirmation out of his mouth, and so I, I never, <clears throat> I never heard my dad uh, say that he loved me. And he showed it, but he couldn't get those words out. Very similar to your story, <clears throat> but I, I went in the direction of <clears throat> me and the good kid. The straight A's, you know, and and I thought if I was good enough that I would get noticed and I would get affirmed because of my and my value would be affirmed based on my performance. But it never happened. So I was a missionary. I was a pastor, you know. And and my dad, um, though he was involved all his life in the church, he never came to my church. He never heard me or saw me in the context of my own congregation. And that was always a heartbreaking thing for me. I, I couldn't figure out why. To this day, I can't tell you why. I'm not sure. Some insecurities that he carried in his own heart, perhaps. But it was interesting that though we schemed at various times, my brothers and I to get Dad to, to bless us, to speak over our lives. His approval, his, uh, it didn't happen. And fast forward the story, my dad um, was diagnosed with a with a malignant brain tumor and was given just a few months to live. He lived about four months from diagnosis to his passing and he wanted to be at home so we set up hospice care at home and I, the, my brothers and I would come alongside my stepmom and my mom had passed, dad had remarried and we cared for dad. I, I would fly from my home in Vancouver to, to Fort St. John, 800 mile trip once a month and I would care for my dad at home. I would do the night shifts for a whole week, caring for my dad. And as he got near the end, and then I would fly back and go back up again and so on for those four months. The last time I went to Fort St. John to be with my dad, uh, he was largely not able to converse with me. The brain tumor had, had centered on the part of his brain that stole his personality, much of his speech, so he just wasn't the same person anymore, you know. His memory, a lot of that was gone. So it was a Saturday evening, and I'm scheduled to fly out on the, on the red-eye flight back to Vancouver. I'm not sure why I did this to myself, but I would take the last flight out on Saturday so I could be in church and preach on Sunday morning. Don't do that, Tom. That wasn't a good idea. But that's what I was doing. My wonderful stepmother made a wonderful kind of meal for me, and we sat down at the table, and Dad, I could, we could hear him stirring in the bedroom, and he indicated he, that he wanted to get up, so he got him in the wheelchair and brought him to the table, and I think my stepmom, sensing this was the last opportunity for him to talk to me, 
she she begs him, Harold, uh, my dad's name, Harold, this is your son, Steve. Uh, is there anything you want to say to your son? Anything you want to say? And he went, and just kind of shrugged his shoulders. So she tried again, I think, with a little more urgency, and maybe trying to remind him of who I was. <clears throat> Harold, this is this is Steve. He's your firstborn. He's a he's a pastor in Vancouver. Is there anything you want to say to your son? He just kind of went like this. She tried it a third time. By this time, she's in tears, and I'm in tears. And my dad said to me, he looked at me and he said, "Have a nice trip." Those were the last words my dad spoke to me. Have a nice trip. And for me, that was kind of a metaphor for my life. I had grown up much of my life like I was quite alone. And I didn't, and I really liked the, the guys in these stories that Eric's talking about here, where I, I realized that there was an insecurity <clears throat> that bred in my heart a lack of confidence that I really had what it took. And that I lacked the confidence I could step into a, a place of significance, which which is ridiculous. <clears throat> when you look at what God has done through my life, I pastored for decades. We led Bible colleges. We've done all kinds of great things. But inside of me was a little boy that said, I, I wonder if I'm good enough. I wonder if my dad thinks I've done a good job. And when he passed away, I realized I had been robbed of that. Well, I flew home that night. <clears throat> dad passed away two days later. The family asked me to do the memorial service, and it was packed. Hundreds of people. My dad was so well loved. He had this gift of service, and everybody loved him. And so they came out in, in, in numbers, and I spoke. God honored. That was a beautiful service. My siblings participated. But after the service was finished, we were at the reception. I lost count of how many people came up to me and said, "Your dad was so proud of you. He always told us about your work as a pastor. He was always telling us about your missionary trips. He was always telling us about the things you did with the Bible. He was always telling us. And after about six or seven times like that, you know what I was thinking? Why didn't he ever tell me? Why didn't he ever tell me? So this concept of the, the, the power, the insidious power of a blessing that's withheld, but it can't be spoken, but it's not. I live that message. It's my storyline. And I made a decision as a young man that my kids, you know, my wife, my grandkids, they're not going to have to guess what Papa thinks. They're going to know it because I'm going to use my, I'm going to raise my words and I'm going to speak over them blessing in life. And I'm going to change the culture beginning with my family. And, you know, by, this is not a trash dad time, by the way. I love my father. He was an amazing man. But there's this one aspect, and I know because of his own pain and his own brokenness, he couldn't find the words to communicate. I'm sure love was already in his heart. He could tell everybody else, but he just couldn't get it out and tell us. It is said that the richest place on earth is not Fort Knox, where all the gold is held that backs the U.S. Treasury. It's the graveyards, where all those treasured words of blessing die with the people that could have shared them. Yeah. But chose not to do so. Let's pray the power of love, the blessing withheld. And this step into receiving the blessing, actually giving the blessing in a powerful way. On the back of your of your paper, there's some steps. <clears throat> what if you've never <clears throat> received the blessing? God has not left you alone, and God has not left you powerless. He's the God of the blessing. 
So uh, you want to walk through that? Yeah. Sorry. <coughs> This idea, Steve says, uh, he's determined to die empty. And I think if you're around Steve very much, you experience that. And I think it actually shifts things. I mean, it shifts in things for many of us guys here, you know. And uh, and I think it's begun to make a, a change the tide, you know, of culture. Um, we're gonna. I, I want to just pray this, read this, this prayer, and then uh, we'll we will uh, all kind of walk you through some some steps, some assignment, homework, and then we're gonna pray pray for one another too, bless each other. But Ephesians three fourteen through twenty one says, "For this reason, I bow my knees to the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named." That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of us, all the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and that we may be filled with the full, to all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So we want to leave on the back of your paper. There's there's an assignment and uh, to do. And if you haven't if you haven't experienced this blessing of the Father uh, or heard him speak to you in, in a way that, that, uh, that to, to share how he feels about you, um, step one, just ask the Father. We, we would come to him and ask him to share. He communicates and loves to communicate with his children about how he feels. Ask him, how do you feel about me? And I remember, I think the first time that, that I went through this study, I came home and um, was feeling pretty discouraged. And I went for a walk early in the morning, five in the morning around, we have like a ponding basin near our house and it was quiet, silent. And I, it was a clear, clear morning. And uh, I asked the Lord, what do you think about me? <laughs> I just did this exercise. And I heard this passage, which we read earlier. And, um, he says, I have loved you. I heard him say, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I've drawn you with loving kindness and felt like I looked to the stars and began to see and think about the passage in Psalms that says there's so many sands and this number of stars in the sky. I have that many thoughts about you. And I think it, these, these moments are available to us, I guess I would say. And, um, the father wants to speak to us in these quiet moments of, of genuine asking. Um, the other thing that, that we want to do today and, and encourage you is to find an opportunity to bless. I think that it's uncork something in us in order to receive and also give out. And so we're going to, um, I'd love for you guys just to find a moment to affirm somebody today. Uh, if you think it and it's positive, yeah. do it, say it, yeah. say it out loud, act uh, towards those things, risk it. 
Um, it actually starts to change the environment that we, we have in this place. And, um, we also, uh, we, we want to, yes, I think this is the, uh, this is what's on the back of the deal, I think. Have the paper in front of me, but um, you can pray a, a biblical promise over yourself. Insert your name into the text and personalize it. So some of the scriptures that we read today, they're on your worksheets. Um, there's, there's the Psalms are a great place to start. Add your name in there. Um, you know, if I think about, you know, you have so many like thoughts towards Eric. They, they outnumber the sands, you know, the, on on the on the seashore, and, and begin to insert your name. Pray the biblical promise over your yourself. Um, claim the prophetic promises over your life. Those things that maybe were spoken over you, you today, that were prayed over you today, um, rehearse them. One of the stories we didn't get to tell was of this this gal, and I'll, I'll make this brief. But uh, Steve. Had a, he prayed a birthday prayer. He was like kind of ambushed by a pastor he was sharing at a church. The guy said, here's this gal, will you pray a birthday prayer over her? He prays, they recorded the prayer, and the gal's life was transformed. She took that prayer, transcribed it, and prayed it over her life for, the to- for a year. And um, her life was completely transformed by it. And so there's power in taking the things that have been spoken over your life. And rehearsing them, claiming those promises, specific things um, that that wash away the unspoken blessing, you know, that that place of wounding or the curses in our lives. Another thing, adopt a spiritual father or mother. Find somebody that that you you can look up to and and uh, grab them and ask them to to help. Uh, help you see the, the blessing uh, in your life. Um, learn how to bless yourself, even if you've not received it. Um, somehow there's this, there's this thing that happens. It's magic, I guess. But it's uh, where you give, even in, in a place of weakness. When you begin to give, there, that gets poured back into our lives. There's this reciprocity, reciprocity in God's economy that he pours back into our lives. Um, and as we give, we begin to receive and are healed and blessed in our, own, uh, in our own activity. Choose to live a lifestyle of blessing. Speak to the treasure and not the trash. And I think it's easy, especially living in proximity and community with friends, you get to see some of the things that are you wish were different, <laughs> right? I think especially in a husband-wife relationship or with your children. And I think that it's easy to see things that you wish were better or different and what we want to encourage is speak to the treasure speak to what you see beyond those places of weakness we all have weakness call out the potential and don't focus just on problems um, speak to the, the identity that may not yet be it's what God has done with us he reached beyond what he saw in us when we were still sinners Jesus died for us to make us his own And uh, ask and journal the answer to what you're hearing. You can do it daily. You can do it weekly. Ask God, what do you think about me? What's your, what are your thoughts towards me? If you said you have this many thoughts, what are they? What do you think about me today? Write it down. I'm not great at this. My wife is great at that. And it's crazy. Every year she pulls out this book of thoughts that God has towards her. And it has shaped her life and transformed her. 
and it's a, it actually is a huge blessing to me because I see this transformation. Um, I'll tell a little story, uh, and then we'll we'll move on. But um, just as hopefully a, a nudge, Lori, my wife, um, we've been married 17 years. I, I mentioned about six years ago we we moved to Sacramento to plant a church. Feels very this feels very reminiscent. I like love being with you guys and just bless and encourage you. But it was a very difficult time. And in the transition, in that move, my wife began to have panic attacks and uh, just overwhelmed with anxiety. Um, It was a real difficult and dark season. We had, uh, my son um, was hospitalized three times the first year we were um, in Sacramento. We were away from family. Um, He had 10 ear infections in one year. Um, We, I don't know what happened. I mean, our air conditioner heater blew up. I mean, it's just like all the stories, right? That, that just about anything that could have gone wrong did, it felt like. And um, in the process, I think that, that Lori began to just ask God what, she, what you know, he thought of her and, and, and was faithful in writing those things down and has been developed a habit of consistently listening to God over her life and it taken her into a place of freedom and liberty and God has been so good and faithful to share his thoughts towards her and um, anyway hopefully that was encouraging (laughs) I would encourage you to do that because God has much to share with you so I'm going to pray and then I think what we're going to do is break up in a similar way and we're going to give you a chance to pray and bless each other we're going to kind of The guys that prayed earlier are going to hold back. If we've got something, we'll jump in. But we want to encourage you guys to bless one another. If you think it and it's encouraging, say it. So, Father, we thank you for your unfailing love, God. And you've drawn us, Lord, with loving kindness. And we, we ask that you would today. Draw this community into the blessing of a family, Lord. I thank you that you are bringing us home, Lord. And you've arranged for us to have a connection with you, God. A father that provides for us. Father that sees us and knows us. Father that hears and listens to us and speaks words of blessing that has provided for us over and over. That steps into the places of our weakness and makes provision for us. That sees past our own brokenness and our weakness and has made a way for us to be whole and holy. A father that continually encourages us and looks past the trash in our own lives, God. And call us forth the treasure, Lord. You prophesy good things over us, Lord. You have good plans for each one of our lives, Lord. You've called us sons and daughters, Lord. Heirs to the kingdom. And you're giving us a kingdom that will not perish or spoil. It won't be fade. It won't fade with decay, Lord. We, we thank you for bringing us home and, into, and adopting us as your own, God. Making us free. A free people that get to use our words and break the power of a curse, Lord, or a blessing withheld in our own lives, Lord. And so we just say, we take, we take uh, responsibility for our lives today, Lord, and what we want in our lives. We're not victims. Just say we're not victims to what has, has been handed to us, Lord. But we get to cho- choose, Lord, today 
blessing or curse. And we choose blessing, Lord. We're a people of blessing, Lord. And I ask that that this church, Lord, that sanctuary church would become a sanctuary for many, many people that don't have never heard a blessed word, Lord, over their lives. That there would be a loud proclamation of joy in the house of sanctuary, God. That there would be a gift of honor, Lord, a gift of blessing, a gift of welcome, a gift of seeing what what could be, Lord. I pray for a prophetic release, Lord, to call forth the the treasure uh, of of a people coming together, a family being built, God. Yeah. We bless this church in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah.